Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. You're listening to Theater in College Hoops. I'm Subi Solo today. Taylor Dammel out. The Shark out. Both of them with good reason. You know, last year when I was riding solo, I didn't really give them, or I didn't think that they had good reasons is what I should say. But this time, Taylor just got married on Friday. So he is enjoying some rest and relaxation with his now wife. Very happy for him. Hug for him. It was a great weekend up in Pine Top, Arizona. A lovely, lovely little place in Northern Arizona. Uh, the weather was perfect. The beers were flowing, the dance floor, the food. It was all just, just a treat. We had a lot of fun. So Taylor out the shark. He actually was in Detroit watching his beloved commanders uh, lose to Jared Goff, Dan Campbell, and the rest of the lions that I believe was a wedding gift for him. Um, his wife decided to go as well, hug for hug for her. But I think we all know the main beneficiary of that wedding gift was the shark. Although commanders take an L, but no shark today as well. He might be traveling. So it is just me. We're brought to you by the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device you use. Your college hooper of the week this week is Askia Booker. You remember him, former guard from the Colorado Buffaloes. Very impactful, shifty quick guard diminutive but he was effective we're brought to you by royal digital marketing aka rdm rdm specializes in website development and digital marketing for small businesses and startups so if you need a website contact them at colin at royaldigital.co that's c-o-l-i-n at royaldigital.co and make sure to check out the website at theaterandcollegehoops.com and you got to follow us. Make sure to follow us at, on Twitter at CVB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feet is. And make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel and the shark at V underscore shark underscore BB. Let's open the curtains. episode today with a big man from boulder guy got my alliteration going with the bees baby and here's one more last name batty 
First name, Evan. Yes, we got Evan Batty in the building. The former Colorado great to share some amazing stories with us. We'll get to that here uh, in just a little bit. Evan was really terrific. He he was able to share a lot of his trials and tribulations, uh, shared the time that he had a stroke and has now come back to become a professional basketball player in Bulgaria. How amazing is that? Uh, we will get to his time at Colorado, the tournament game, the tournament win against Georgetown, his his great relationship with not only his head coach, Tad Boyle, but also his incredible relationship with the community of Boulder. He truly is a Buffalo legend. So I'm excited for you guys to listen to that. But before we do that, here's a tweet from Shams that I think is going to impact quite greatly the college basketball universe. Sources, NBA and NBA, MBPA are in serious talks on new items for potential collective bargaining agreement. First point, draft age eligibility going from 19 to 18, the return of high school to NBA. First and foremost, good. I'm fine with that. This is the United States of America. You should be able to make a living. I like this. Uh, I know the knee-jerk reaction is going to be, well, the the product is going to go down if we're not able to get some of these one-and-done guys. Well, wait a minute. I thought you guys all hated one-and-done. And wait a minute. I believe a lot of people are saying, have said that the heyday of college basketball was pre-one-and-done. We're going back to that now, folks. We're going back to a time where, hey, maybe we get two- to three-year players that we can fall in love with. I personally don't care either way. Because I'm going to come back and watch college basketball. I'm going to be tweeting theater at like 11.45 p.m. Central Standard Time about some useless Big West game because I love it. And I'm going to watch no matter who the players are. I root for the laundry. Okay. But this is big news and it very well could impact recruiting. It's going to impact, let's say, uh, who's getting better. You know, it's going to impact a lot of these different strategies uh, across the entire country. So figured that was worth sharing there from Shams. And again, that's not that's not solidified. That's not done. That's not official. But I think there is a lot of momentum to uh, this report. And I think we may be staring at uh, high schoolers being able to go straight to the NBA. Stay tuned. Without further ado, I do want to get to Evan Batty right now. Terrific interview. Hopefully the audio is all right. Uh, he is, again, coming to us live from Bulgaria. So I appreciate him jumping on and working through uh, some of the technical audio difficulties. And I appreciate you guys doing that, too. He has an excuse. He played hurt. He powered through. That's why he's one of the best power forwards uh, and big men in the game. You guys, on the other hand, have no excuses. Just just listen and enjoy the interview with Evan Batty. Oh, man, how lucky are we? How lucky are we, folks? We got a Colorado legend joining us here on Theater and College Hoops. The big man from Boulder, the mayor, the ultimate Buffalo basketball player, a man who scored a 1,000 points in his career, an all-Pac-12 tourney first-team player and an all-Pac-12 regular season second-team player, a man who frustrated the hell out of me for the past four years because he owned my team. Uh, we got Evan Batty in the building. Evan, thank you so much for jumping on, man. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? 
I'm doing well. You're coming to us live from Bulgaria. How's that been? Bulgaria, yeah. Bulgaria has been cool. It's been uh, different at least, but it's been uh, just, a, just a good adjustment and a good perspective shift and all that. So it's been amazing. I, I, has there been much of a culture shock, I'd assume? Have you ever been to oh, Bulgaria yeah. before? What's that no, been I've like? I've never been to Bulgaria. i never heard anything about Bulgaria. So I just kind of just got thrown in here. And, uh, you know, it was a little bit of a culture shock, a shock at first. It still is in some senses. But uh, I'm treading the waters. So, so I'm uh, getting along just fine. Hey, you're you're there for for hoops. How, I mean, how's how's the how's the style of play over there? Have you had to adjust a little bit based on what you've been playing in college? I mean, now you're a pro. What's that been like? Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I've honestly been uh, really blessed to play in the Pac-12 and play against some uh, some really good competition, and it's kind of prepared me for this. And um, you know, I I don't think the athletes are as uh, as good or. Uh, the athletes are not um, as athletic as they're in the Pac-12. You know, you don't see the same type of Benedict Matherins or Colocos or uh, would you, you know, everything like that. You know, it's not, there's no, there's no body uh, like that in a, in a sense. But, you know, it just, uh, the ball is not really sticking. You know, it's always moving. Uh, it's always um, from place to place, from person to person. The ball doesn't stick, so it's uh, it's it's actually played to my hand a little bit. <laughs> hey, first of all, I appreciate you bringing up Ben and and Coloco. You do that on purpose just to be nice to me, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you're <laughs> Arizona guy, so you know I got I got to shout out shout out them, man. I hope you guys have a wonderful NBA career. Man, you were you were such a pleasure to be around, and from every article I've read in the first few minutes that I've spent with you, I want to start all the way back. Let's start at Boulder because I'm not exaggerating, folks. You are the epitome of the big man on campus. You ran that town. Your nickname is the mayor. That that uh, commercial with the with the actual mayor was pretty cool. First of all, tell us about that. How did you guys get in in contact and shoot that commercial? So actually, the the CU Athletics media, they reached out to me. They knew I was leaving Boulder, you know, pretty soon. I left Boulder like a month and a half ago. So they, they knew I was leaving pretty soon. And it was like, you know, we're trying to get you in the, in the actual mayor together since everybody's been calling you the mayor for so long. So, um, yeah, that was pretty much the gist of it. And we got together, uh, filmed that video. It took us about two hours to film the video. And uh, had some bloopers as well, and you know, released it. So, why do you love Boulder so much? I want to hear from you. What drew you to Boulder, and after four years, held such a special place in your heart? Well, um, at first, I say, hmm, I say that you know, in my recruiting process, I had to eventually cut my. My, my school list down to three or down to five, whatever you want to cut it down to, I cut it down to three. And three visits that I was going to take was Colorado, Miami, and Purdue in order. So I visited Colorado first, and I told my family as we were leaving that visit, I'm like, guys, this is going to be hard to beat. This is going to, like, I don't, know if, I don't know if Miami and Purdue can, you know. It's not even about, like, the actual school in itself. It's about the feeling. It's the feeling you get. You know what I'm saying? It's not about like, sure, everybody has the nice facilities. Everybody has the nice uh, amenities. 
but it's just the feeling you get. That's that's what drew me to Colorado. And um, I, uh, I had my visit to Miami and Purdue after that, after my Colorado visit. You know, I still honor my visits. I went to see those universities as well. But you know, at the end of the day, didn't didn't compare in my eyes. So, what was that feeling? Do you remember exactly what it was? If you're able to describe exactly the feeling, it was. It, it, it felt like home. You know, it, it really felt like home, and um, that's why I want to live in Colorado. You know, that's why I want to. You know. Uh, retired in Colorado. I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, it's my home now. And it's, um, you know, I'm going to spend my all seasons there and I'm going to spend uh, however much time I want to there because I, I, I just love it so much. You know, I'm from L.A. and it's so much of a change of pace from L.A. Uh, growing, up my, growing up in my younger days, in my early life, you know, L.A. is just all traffic and it's you know, a lot of people and it's just a lot, it's so much. In Colorado, just like just chill. So I love, I like it a lot. On the flip, Evan, why do you think you're so loved in Boulder, man? I want, and I want you to be as as selfish, say whatever the hell you want, because you are so loved there. What What did you do? What were some of the things that you think you did to make yourself such a hero? You know what? Like honestly, like and to be completely like tra- transparent, like I don't know. Like I. I've always said this to my close friends, and I've always said it to my teammates. I'm like, people praise me, and people love me for doing what I think every student athlete, every student should do. You know, show an uh, insane amount of school pride. You know, treat everybody the right way. You know, um, go to all the school sporting events, and you know, just it's stuff like that. It's not hard things to, but I just did them. That's kind of just my second nature. So, I mean, I never really understood it. I thought like it should be everything. That should be something that everybody does. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you exhibited it perfectly, man. So you told us a little bit about your recruitment. Let's get into your relationship with Tad Boyle. When he came to, to recruit you, uh-huh. what was that like? What was your first initial reaction of, of meeting Coach Boyle? You know, funny story, Tad Boyle never offered me, like, he never he never said words like, hey, Adam, you have a scholarship to University of Colorado. You know, he, he never said those words in verbatim. He's just like, oh, you want you to come on the official visit and see how you like it. And I'm like, well, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't need all the gun smoke. I don't need all the smoke I'm behind. I don't need all that. I just need a chance and a coach that believes in me. And he... Really showed me that you know, a lot of times he showed up uh, to my high school or to my house or just you know just know that he cared and um, yeah so I mean just his his level of uh, um, his level of interest in me was something I was really drawn to. Do you think there's some sort of misconceptions with Coach Boyle because I think a lot of people see him on the sidelines like a fiery angry sometimes intense dude is there a side of tad Boyle that you can yeah. attest to that's like you know what that's just him between the lines i feel like all coaches are not all coaches but if you i mean yeah i mean all coaches have that you know that edge and that uh the great ones do i think uh you know the great ones have that edge and that uh, just can't 
Canelo for being mediocre in that sense. And um, obviously, I know Coach Boyle outside of you know basketball as well. You know, we've we've gotten along to uh, we forged this relationship. You know, outside of basketball, this you know, over my five years and. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, I, I would I would say it's totally two different people, but it's, it's the same discipline. He's still tough. He still he's the most probably the most competitive SLB I've ever been around. You know, he's he's really competitive. He's like uber competitive. You know, he'll whether it's golf or ping pong or you know even you know I don't even know uh, paintball. You know, he he tore his hamstring playing for paintball once. <laughs> um, he us. tore his hamstring so playing, like, playing paintball. Stuff like that. He, and he pulled me. He was he was running. We were playing capture the flag, and we were playing <laughs> paintball. And Coach Ball said, "You know, being a competitor, he is. You know, he just ran for the flag, and like he didn't care. He ran for the flag. He was like, oh, he hated himself and everything. And you know, we still look back on those uh, those times, and he's just so competitive, and that's how he always is." So, I mean, that kind of translates to how he acts on the court, in a sense. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's just a competitive spirit. Did it take you a little bit to understand that and then obviously grow into playing his style of hoop and, and, and appreciating what he brings to the table as well? Or was it something that you were able to pick up the second you step foot on campus in that first gym or that first practice, I should say. So well, I'm a, well, I'm a competitor too. So, um, you know, every, I feel like every, everybody who is a competitor got along with Coach Boyle. You know, whether it's competing for a starting job on the team, whether it's competing for minutes, whether it's competing for, you know, I don't even know, just the opportunity to play. But, you know, we, we, we get excited about the thrill of competing and, that's what separates the guys who make it in Coach Ball's program and really thrive and those who kind of weed it out, you know, because um, you have to have a competitive spirit. And that's honestly like the thing that Coach Boyle and me, McKinley, Tyler, Deshaun, all those guys all have. I'm so glad you brought up those names. You segued it beautifully to my next question, Evan, because – before you guys got to campus, you were a consistently or Colorado was consistently a 12 to 15 loss team. And then you, McKinley, yeah. like you had mentioned, Tyler Bay, who was terrific. It really seemed like that trio was was the trio that turned around Colorado hoops and made them a consistent uh, team to p- potentially crash the dance or make noise in the Pac-12 tournament. Was there a discussion or a moment between you and the other two guys that was like, we got to turn this around and we can do it? What was that like? Well, yeah, but it was three of us. It was, so we came in, uh, me, Tyler, and Deshaun were on the same recruiting visit. So that was a hell of a weekend. Like I said, I took my two visits after the weekend. They both committed on their visit. So uh, during the football game I was in a lot of pressure from like the fans and everything to commit I'm like ah nah I can't commit yet I gotta take my bitches uh, I told the coaches I would and um so yeah those two are already set and then McKinley uh Archie Miller left from Dayton to Indiana so McKinley opened back up his recruitment in the spring 
Um, and he committed in this week. So he joined us three. They were already committed. And then we have we had this uh, um, this Serbian point guard that was playing in Italy, uh, Ladar Nikolic. He's actually uh, back in Italy now, but he was committed too for us. And we had that was our five. And you know we call ourselves you know the Fab Five or whatever it is. But um, yeah, so I mean that was like you know in practice, you know. I, I, I thought the first day of practice, Coach Boyle put us against the, the young. We had, we had a young, we had a young but old team. You know, we had Don Collier, senior, Tory Miller, senior, um, George King, senior, Naaman Wright, junior. So, um, face off against those guys. I can't remember the score, but I can't remember the series. But, you know, we competed. And, um, you know, I feel like Coach Boyle really saw the future right in front of his eyes of what's to come because we were so competitive and, and, you know, we just always wanted, we wanted all the smoke, I guess. So, um, yeah, in that sense, um, you know, we kind of just, you know, after our freshman year, well, during our freshman year, I'd say we were all in the dorms together. So me, me, Deshaun, were on one room, one room, and we had a bathroom that connected McKinley and Tyler. So we were all in each other's rooms every day and um, just that bond and that um, that brotherhood, you know, was so solidified and intensified as well. And it just really got stronger and stronger. And um, honestly, that's just where it started, you know, because we, we finished that year 17 and 15. I didn't play that year. We finished that year 17 and 15. Uh, not really a good year, but you know, the next following years, uh, after I got on the court, you know, we took off and started really doing well. No, I mean, it, it was it was an amazing transformation, Evan, to watch you guys, um, really start to succeed and turn the corner. And what I'm curious about is, you know, I think a lot of people they see these players and they don't really understand the bonds that are born off the court. And I feel like they think all you guys do is play basketball when in reality, there's so many more levels to who you are as people. Can you talk to us a little bit about the bond of you and the three other guys off the court? What were you guys discussing? I know you, you shared legitimately close proximity with one another. Tell us a little bit about that. Right. Yeah. It's just, it's just, more in basketball at that point, you know, because you're living together, you know, you're going through the trials and tribulations to college together, you're going through the ups and downs of being an athlete on top of that together. So just like it's actually your brother. And for for those guys, you know, me recovering from my stroke, what I went through in my stroke and you know, um just recovering from that, you know, I couldn't really talk, you know. I couldn't, you know, I was still learning how to talk and speech therapy and everything. And those guys in the dorms, like I said it on my Twitter, I said those was that was the most fun I've ever had. You know, being with you guys in the dorms and you know, just allowing me to, to mess up and allowing me to do regain thank him enough, honestly. Those people because they Honestly, and they really um, because the doctor said you know 
they told my mom, uh, you know, you probably should keep him home for a while. Don't send him back to college. Um, my mom was like, nah, he's going back to college. He, that's where all his people are, and that's, you know, that's where all his uh, support system is. So she sent me back against the doctor's orders. And, um, you know, she's a hell of a visionary for that. But, you know, just us being so close and us, you know, going through something like that together just made us so much stronger. And um, even in the years after that, you know, we didn't live together uh, the years after that. But we still, you know, when us four came on the court, you know, if you still feel it, you know, it's, it's, it's us. You know, because uh, Lazar already left. He he's only spent one year here. He went back to Italy. So that's far as that just um, we just took off with the people. Yeah, and I think it was it was evident for sure. Um, you mentioned the stroke, Evan. Incredibly scary time yeah. for for anyone. Can you take us through? It's it's yeah. the day after Christmas. Can you take us through the moments yep. before? I mean, just that whole time, I suppose, if if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah. So I remember just playing basketball with my friends back home. Uh, I was actually uh, um, I did the scouting report for we we had a game against Iowa, I believe. So on the twenty second, twenty first. So you know, I did the scouting. Before, you know, obviously helped the team prepare for that. You know, I was on the team because I was real academically ineligible. Well, not ineligible. But I was, I was a, uh, what's it called? What's it called? What's it called? Oh, a partial qualifier. Yes. For the NCAA. Partial qualifier. Because I repeated my next three year. Um, so, I took five years to complete high school. So, that's why I had a partial qualifier. Anyway. Um. I was on the scout team, um, and then those guys went to uh, the Pentagon, not the Pentagon, in two falls, the Pentagon, the gym, to play Iowa. Um, and then I went back home. Coach Bull, you know, said I can go home. He's talking about spending extra time with my family. But he wanted me to come back to prepare for the Oregon trip that was on the 28th and 29th in New Year's Eve around that time. So, um, um, I had like a week home, you know, those guys have like, typically, so I had like a week home, um, had a good time home. Um, at that time I was just, I was down about 45 pounds from my, uh, from when I went to college, I lost about 45 pounds of, of, of fat and just put on muscle and, and I was looking good and flying everywhere and. You know, bouncy as hell. So I mean, that was really good. And um, so day after Christmas, I'm hoping. You know, um, I was dribbling on the ball. I just couldn't really feel feel the ball anymore. I'm like, okay, this is weird. So I sat down. You know, I couldn't stand back up at that point. And it was weird because you know, when you have a stroke on the left side of your brain, it affects all. It crosses over and it affects all the stuff on your right side. And um, also, your speech is on the left side of your brain as well. So that was kind of scary because I couldn't really talk. I couldn't talk. And you know, I guess my friends were just like playing charades with me at that point. So they called my mom. My mom 
Take me to the ER. I can walk walk again, but I still can't put my arm. But um, took me to the ER. Um, you know, they said, "Hey, you're having a stroke." You know, that was kind of scary for me in the sense that, like, oh, usually old people have strokes. Like, this is kind of weird. Like, don't people die from strokes? Like, this is yeah, this is kind of weird. Um, so that I was like, had me a little nervous. But I. I I still think I was just shy. I wasn't really, you know, uh, uh, I wasn't really understanding what the implications of it were. So, um, so they gave me a strong drug called TPA. It pretty much breaks up blood clots uh, in your brain. And then they had to transfer me over to a stroke center. So on the transfer, I had a seizure in the ambulance and I had a seizure when I got to the stroke center. Um, so I don't remember the seizures, obviously you don't remember those things, but uh, in this story, I spent, you know, four days, three nights in the hospital. And um, yeah, and thankfully, uh, my mom was just like, you know, it's Christmas time. So she was able to stay at the house a little bit and you know, help me on my speech. And I learned like basic syllables again. You know, just, uh, but I didn't, I didn't shy away from, you know, my social side. You know, I didn't shy away from uh, going to, you know, my high school basketball games, you know, just to visit up, visit up on those guys. And, uh, you know, I couldn't really talk. I was there, you know, strong support. And uh, luckily my college team, they were in uh, LA playing UCLA and USC at the time. So I went to the hotel. Um, went to the hotel in Westwood. Uh, that was good for them to see me. You know, I couldn't really talk, but it was good for them to see me. Uh, you know, to see me because they, they knew what happened to me, and uh, that was good for them to see. Like, you know, just that was okay because we uh, the tag over this. Um, and you know, he told me, you know, just a lot of things that you know, just he told me like Evan, like if you don't want to play basketball like your scholarship to stay here and um that was that was really cool for him to say that and um yeah and i mean at the end of the day it's more than basketball like i said you know it's about you know brotherhood and health and all, everything like that so um yeah so i just i had to endure you know five months of physical therapy five months of speech therapy and ultimately, mom had division to send me back to college against the doctor's will. But, um, yeah. Evan, you talk about perspective, and you said, look, there's more to life than basketball. And I'm thinking back to when I was a young kid who was playing sports, certainly not at the level that you are. But I'm sure your mom and, and, and your family and your friends are thinking about your long-term health. Were you just thinking about getting back to playing for, for the Buffaloes, or were you like, "Damn, maybe I should think a little bit about my long term <laughs> health too"? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, you know, you don't want to go back into the sport. You don't want to go back into, you know, something like that without knowing. You know, just like, you're gonna be safe about it. So, um, uh, I'd say that. I'd say that, you know, I was kind of just, like, cautious in a sense. I didn't want to, like, hurry back because I wanted to make sure everything was good. 
and we did all that. We did, you know, we did a number of tests on my heart, on my brain, on my, you know, uh, on my lungs, everything, and everything came back on, which is ironic, because like, why is nineteen year old kid having a stroke? But um, everything came back fine, and. You know, that, that was a that was a green flag for me. Like, you know, everything's fine. Why can't I play? And um, so they wanted to put me on blood thinners. Obviously, you can't play on blood thinners. So, um, a substitution for that is taking a baby aspirin every morning, which I still do. Take a baby aspirin every morning to uh to act like as a blood thinner, not as strong, but still a blood thinner. Um, and I can I can play on that. So. Um, yeah, so, I mean, at first it was just like you know, doing the physical therapy, like stuff first and, you know, the speech come along and the speech, you know, it's obviously had, it came a long way. It still has some, you know, still has some progress to go, but, uh, came a long way. I'm very I mean, thankful for my impression because, you know, everybody don't, everybody doesn't get the chance to, you know, progress like this. And, Everybody doesn't have a chance to have a stroke so young that you can, you know, kind of battle, bounce back like this. It's truly impressive and remarkable and a testament to your spirit, honestly, Evan. Like, it's it's such an inspiring story. Quick question. What was, what was the first game you were back on the court? Like, what was the first competitive game uh, that you were back? Do you remember it? So, I was, I was actually back on the court that, that following year. Uh, the uh, the first preseason game against Colorado's, Colorado School of Mines. Uh, we played them uh, as a little exhibition game, and that was my first game back on. Well, actually, no. Uh, following my stroke, after my speech therapy, I began working out with the team again. Um, I was working out with like restrictions, how to work hard mind workouts, and I would often get in verbal disagreements with my strength coach on like say. Say my heart rate reached a number, you know, probably like 120 or 130. And my strength coach would be like, okay, Evan, sit down. Like, Evan, like, you're out. Like, I'm about to win the drill, man. Like, you can't do this to me. Like, I'm about to win this shit. Like, and, you know, it's just a competitor, competitor in me. And uh, we had a lot of disagreements on that. But, you know, my coach obviously, you know, told him, like, hey, Evan, like, just cool off. You're going to have your time. And, it's funny, Coach English was telling me that uh, Coach English at George Mason, the head coach of George Mason now, he was telling me, like, Evan, chill, bro. You're going to be all right. After that, I went on another foreign tour to Italy with the USA East Coast team. Um, that was pretty fun. And, and I had some Drew League games in the summer, in the summertime, so that was pretty fun as well. And then that was like a little, you know, a little teaser for, you know, playing, playing basketball again. And then obviously, uh, you know, I played against Colorado School of Mines in the exhibition uh, early November. And the rest is history at that point. Just that four years of basketball, I didn't, didn't miss a game. Unbelievable. So when you got back in those first couple games, those first couple runs, I don't want to equate a stroke to, let's say, you know, a torn ACL or anything like that, because a stroke is far more severe to your long-term and life health. But we hear about athletes coming back from significant injuries, and there's maybe a little apprehension when they get back on the court. 
Was there anything like that for you? And if so, how long did it take you to sort of overcome that? Honestly, when I had my stroke uh, and I won with Coach Ball to shoot around at USC the, the, the next week or so, I was shooting baskets. <laughs> like, I was I was shooting baskets and everything. Like, I was, like, you know, I was relatively fine. I couldn't – my right side was weaker, but I was still able to walk and shoot and uh, still able to do the normal things that I, like, I wanted to do. I just couldn't really talk. So, um the physical therapy was not as intensive as the speech therapy in that sense. You know, the physical came back to me uh, a lot faster than being so young, like I was saying, not just uh, the muscles um, generated back. Um, but no, nah, I was, you know, a lot of times when dudes have ACL tear or like some serious injury like that, it, the mental was kind of like, I can't really trust that me yeah i just can't really trust the ankle yet you know just kind of like it wasn't it wasn't anything with, like that with me it was just like okay well i'm fine so let me hope uh let's fast forward now though evan okay the covid year 2020 2021 yeah. COVID year. was probably your was mo- your most successful season right at colorado because you guys went to the tournament you were a five seed and you absolutely obliterated Georgetown, right. that Georgetown team that was red hot, man. They won the Big East title to punch their ticket to the tournament, and you just dismantled them. Uh, you ultimately fell to Florida State, who was a terrific team, but right. but you guys were a terrific team also. Evan, tell us about that experience getting to play in the NCAA tournament. Man, you're about two feet away from Patrick Ewing. How cool was that? Right. There's no other experience like it, honestly. The NCAA tournament, yeah. I I wish that every college basketball player got to experience that, you know, just once. You know, obviously we would have experienced it twice. Uh, barring COVID didn't hit the previous year uh, when Tyler Bay, Tyler Bay last year, we would have went to the tournament then too. But you know, st- stuff happens and. and uh, I'm just thankful we got the experience at once. And you know, that was so much fun. And just, you know, even with the COVID, even with limited crowd, even with limited uh, capacity, all that, it's just so much fun, you know, competing on that high of a stage with the best of the best was, you know, just a moment that I'll never forget in my life. Those that know college basketball and know how the NCAA tournament works, they look for teams that are red hot. Not sure there was a hotter team in the country at that point than Georgetown. What was the game prep like for them? Were you guys on incredibly high alert? I mean, wh- what was it like prepping for that Hoya team? Yeah, I- I'd say we're on we're on high alert because we didn't want to lose. Like we didn't like we didn't work like for for example, me and Kelly and Deshaun you know, spent our whole career trying to get to the tournament. And you know, trying to get there, and um, you know, obviously we would have had Tyler with us, but you know, the previous, like I said, but COVID hit, so that was like, well, we had to get to ten eight, and um, we were on high alert because we didn't want to like, we didn't want it to be like, okay, like we we got to ten eight, okay, hurrah, let's go home, like we didn't want it to be like that, and um, at that point we just like, okay, well. Let's focus on Georgetown. We really lock in on them. 
Now, I'll tell you one thing. You know, it's funny. We probably had the worst practice ever, like the night, the day before we played Georgetown. We probably had the worst practice ever. Like, I'm talking like turnovers, just uh, dribbling off the foot. Uh, scout team was cooking us, like cooking the holy hell out of us. Scout team was, you know, in their bag, uh, frying us. And we just couldn't get a stop against the scout team. And you know, it, it was, it, it, it raised some concerns among some people on our team. Um, you know, we were so locked in, we knew. No, it's good to, for us to get it out now and get all the jitters out now. And come tomorrow, we just go go play basketball and just ball. So I mean, we did just that. Was Kudus Wahab your assignment? Uh, it was one of my one of my assignments. I had I had a lot of assignments in that uh, in that game because you know me and Deshaun can switch. Uh, me and Dallas can switch. Even even me and McKinley can switch sometimes. So, um, you know, I, I had to, you know, guard multiple, multiple people in that game. and But, yeah, Mahab was my assignment, uh, so so much to say. Especially when Dallas went out, and I had to really guard him because that was the – I was a five when Dallas was uh, on the bench and Jariah came in. So, yeah, you know, me playing the five, just a, just a different type of intensity, different type of – play when, when I'm when, when I'm at the four, you know, different type of lifestyle, um, play style, just because I had to be more physical. I had to do my work more early. Was there, I mean, and I think I know the answer to this question, Evan, because you seem to have the most positive outlook on, on almost everything, which I think is such a great quality in a person. But uh-huh. after working so hard, right, you finally get to the NCAA tournament. You're a five seed. Was there any part of you that felt kind of pissed right. off, slighted? Right. Anything where you're just like, man, I wish there was a crowd here. I wish my family could see this, right? Was there any part of you that was like, I wish there was a crowd? I actually had like a limited crowd. So we were there. Um, and we couldn't really see them. We couldn't really like see the outside of the basketball. We could see them in the stands. So that was pretty cool. And there were some like loyal Buff fans there that traveled a long way to go to the games. So that was pretty cool for us to just have that support and that backbone. Um, actually, one of my favorite pictures is uh, after, after we beat Georgetown, we're all like uh, like waving up to our our uh, our section of fans, and I'll see, I'll see you the I'll see you the picture after that after this uh, this interview, but. That was pretty cool for me, just uh, just to have my dad there, my sister there, my mom there, uh, you know, everybody else's mom and dad as well. And you know, your career has been filled with so many great plays, so many points, so many rebounds, so many defensive plays. But I think the defining moment, maybe, of your career that really shows you and shows the people who you are is your exchange with Kirk Kreese. So to set the stage for people that may have forgotten, that don't know, Kirk Carissa rolled his ankle pretty pretty bad in the previous game against Stanford. He was out for the Colorado game. Now, in the handshake line after the game, Evan, I think I saw you go up to Justin Kyer, and you were like, I, I think you may have asked for where Kerr was. You sprint over to Kerr, yeah. and you have that exchange. Take us through basically you know, that handshake with Justin and then going all, all the way to Kerr. I noticed that Kerr wasn't in the line. And I'm like, oh, 
like, this is a part, part of your team. Like, I want to say what's up. I want to, like, you know, wish him well and wish him a speedy recovery. And so that's why I asked, I mean, probably Justin, I asked him, where's her? Because I wanted just to send my best wishes and everything like that. And uh, he told me it was over there or something like that. I ran over to him, you know, just, uh, I don't know what I said, but I was just like, you know, hopefully, you know, you heal good and, you know, win this shit and, you know, good luck in the tournament and all that. It was really just like a respect thing. Cause I know, like, this is a hard time for him to watch his team, you know, uh, compete without him. And it's really just like, you know, you have to miss. And what's funny about it is I didn't really, I didn't see his, his tweet responding to me because I wasn't on Twitter at the time. I wasn't, like, actively on Twitter. I, I, during my college career, I was not actively on Instagram or Twitter during the season. I want to after the season, but during the season, I'm not, I'm not on it. So I wasn't even aware that he t- tweeted back. But I saw it, like, three months later. I'm like, oh, shit, this is pretty cool. Like, no, it was a it was a really great moment, and and – I think both sides were able to look at that and say, look, we've had some battles in the past. You got the best of us during the regular season. Um, but to put that aside and see that level of sportsmanship was was really neat, Evan, for sure. So uh, I, I definitely had to ask you about that. And I'll get you out of here now, Evan, on some quick hitters. Uh, toughest player you've had to guard? Isaiah Stewart from Washington or Zignaji? Yeah. Isaiah Stewart was a yeah. big boy. Yes, but he's incredibly agile and incredibly like good footwork. Like, and what made him what made him so hard to guard during that time is they went to him every time down the floor. Like that was that was that was their offense. Like, like pass the ball, Isaiah. Everybody got out the way, and that was kind of hard for me because like I'm guarding him, so like I have to guard him every single time down the floor. So. I think I had like two or three fouls in the first probably ten minutes or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And then Zeke Naji was just like impossible to box out. Just, just his energized energy, and he's like an energizer bunny. He's just like uh, at the time, he was just so active and so kind of like Keanu uh, Keanu Pender, but not in a sense because he was just like so active, so like he's tall and just so athletic. He just, you know, just, he his his energy affected everybody else on the court. Was there ever an opponent who you encountered that just talked the most shit on the court? Yeah, we got into it with the USC a lot for sure. That was that was a uh, that was a rivalry of ours for sure. Uh, so I mean, that was kind of I mean, Chemezi Metu. I didn't play against him, uh, but he was talking some shit to our bench and. Uh, and McKinley and him had a little, had a little, uh, had a little mouth off during this handshake line. It was just, it was a lot from the USC side and us, us too. I mean, it was a lot of tension riled up in that. So, look, M- McKinley writes, I think only what six foot, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't mess with McKinley, right, man? No, he's five eleven, but he really, I mean, he, he don't back down for anybody, you know. He, uh, that's what he is. He's probably part of the North Robinson, Minnesota. And, you know, he's 
tough as nails. So you don't you don't back down for anybody. What's the toughest environment you've played in? Easily Kansas. <laughs> Easily what, outfield house. What makes it so so difficult? Because actually, we had uh, who do we have on? We had Frank Martin, who's the coach of UMass right now. He was the coach at K State. And he said the exact right. same thing. He said, this is a joke of a question. Yeah, easily out of the house. Um, you can't really hear yourself thinking out in the house. It's just like, you just like, but like as a competitor, you love it though. Like, oh my God. It's like, you're looking around. It's like, then like you like, it's on your head with the crowd. Dun, 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 like music and everything. And it was actually kind of cool just for me just to, you know, be out there and um, just with that little of competition. And, but Arizona was actually a close second because Arizona is a good crowd as well. So um, kind of the same feeling, but not the same, not the same intensity, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. But it's, it's a lot so more funny. older crowd at Arizona, I think. That's that's because they got uh we got retirees out there, man. Everyone's right, everyone's right, trying to retire. Exactly. A, lot, a lot more of an older crowd. I mean, obviously, old people at Kansas as well. But ooh, those students are rocking. I don't know if you remember Landon Lucas, former Jayhawk. No, no. So he yeah. So Landon used to he was on a couple teams that went to the Elite Eight, and we had him on the pod, and he said something similar. He was like. You just if if your team is if we're if Kansas is going on like an eight zero run, there's no point yeah. in calling timeout because you're not even going to hear anything in that in that huddle. Right. Oh yeah, exactly. And you might as well just stick it out. What about? And I'm going to flip it on you. You're no longer playing, so you don't have any more enemies to make, Evan. What about yeah. the lamest environment you played in? I mean, you go in Washington there and State. you get. <laughs> no, no question. No question about it. There's no if and about it. Washington State. I'm not gonna lie. There is. They have up their their presence in the in the previous two years. I'd say. But man, my first two years playing there, it was like nobody was there. It, it there's just zero juice. You're up in. You're up in Pullman, which I've never been to. I'm sure it's a lovely part of the country, but I mean, the Pac-12 has those road trips, right? So you go either from Pullman yeah. to Seattle or, Seattle or vice versa, and yeah. I don't know what, what day the game is, but even a man like you who gets up for damn near everything, who shows so much passion, intensity, even that was tough right. for, to get up for, I guess, the Cougars, huh? Oh, my God. I remember this year, we were down like a couple of players, cause, down a couple of starters because COVID and uh, one play, one star had a season in the injury, and we got beat by forty. It was just so dead in there. I remember that. Oh my goodness, yeah. Uh, I just, I just think it's hysterical how quick that answer was. Both of those answers were real quick, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you don't really forget those things. Definitely not. Hey, Evan, this has been amazing. I'm going to get you out of here on this. It's actually our last segment that I ask. For all of our guests, it's called Bring Them Up on Stage. Evan, is there anyone that you could recommend that I reach out to? Colleague, coach, friend, anyone that you think would be willing to jump on and share some amazing stories like you've been so kind to do? 
I think Deshaun Schwartz from Colorado will be good. He's playing in he's playing in Istanbul right now, Turkey, with the Fenerbahce. So he's playing with a good team right now. And uh, honestly, I think George King might be able to you know say this and catch some insight on the previous years, you know, to me and uh, you know, it's playing with dudes like uh, Josh Scott and Spencer Dinwiddie and Dre and you know, all those guys. So honestly, George King might be the best answer. Those are two great responses. I remember George King. He was a dog. He had some fights. I remember uh, some battles, I should say, not actual physical fights, but some battles with Aaron Gordon. I remember those two going at it a lot, man. George King did not back down. I had a lot of admiration for him. So I'll be sure to do that. Evan Batty, thank you so much for jumping on. This was a real treasure uh, for us. I hope you had a good time. Thank you, sir. Uh, I had a great time, man. Thank you for having me. All right. want to thank Evan again for jumping on. Like I said, what a – what a positive, positive person. I don't know if I've ever met someone with his demeanor. The fact that he's able to have such a positive outlook on like on life, especially after suffering a stroke, is admirable. And he's everything you want in a student athlete. He mentioned it himself. Plays hard, comes to work every single day. So much school spirit. I mean, that guy is a Buffalo through and through. Respectful. So much sportsmanship. We highlighted that with Kirk Creesa, and I'm sure he's had a bunch of other examples of that as well. He's just a very jubilant, nice, positive guy where if you're having the worst day, I feel like you could be around Evan Batty for maybe 35 seconds, and your day is going to change. So want to thank Evan again for sharing all of those stories and, and having some fun with us. We wish him the best of luck in Bulgaria. We already know he's going to make a positive impact wherever he goes. Like I said, the Buffaloes were not that great of a team prior to his arrival, prior to McKinley Wright's arrival, Tyler Bay's or, or arrival. Those guys really righted the ship, won an NCAA tournament game, would have been in the NCAA tournament had it not been for COVID that the, the year prior. Um, so. He's going to make a positive impact that I can assure you. Thank you to Evan Batty. All right, we're going to get you out of here on this. A segment we haven't done in a little bit. You're old as fuck. You're old as fuck. BJ Shaw. The Shaw name should ring a bell. His BJ goes to school uh, at UC Davis. He is the son of Brian Shaw. Yes, Brian Shaw, the former Lakers great, teammate of Kobe Bryant. Uh, veteran in the NBA. So now we're getting to see BJ Shaw put on a show for UC Davis. This one hit home. I remember Brian Shaw as a part of those, those three-peat Lakers teams. And I think a lot of the time Derek Fisher got, got tons of credit. Or maybe Derek Fisher's kind of looked at as a guy that a bit underrated, but he got enough credit because he's look, he wasn't Kobe or, or Shaq, right? But he was still a really good player. Brian Shaw was also a really good player. So when you mentioned the likes of Derek Fisher, I think Brian Shaw should also be on that list. And I know I've read reports about how close him and Kobe were. Uh, so Brian Shaw, terrific NBA career. BJ Shaw, his son at UC Davis, making me feel very, very, very long in the tooth. All right, that's it for today. 
We want to thank you as always for listening. Big shout out yet again to Evan Batty for jumping on and sharing some stories. We're going to catch you next time here on Theater and College Hoops. Well, I got friends from Colorado. I got friends from Tennessee. So I got something in a bottle. And I got something from a seed. Since you said you didn't love me. Since you hung me out to dry. I've been drunk up in the Smokies on a Rocky Mountain High. Made the plans, but the day spent the money too. Nothing sweet, but I paid for honeymoon. Million dollar view to see, but she wants since I do turn right into I don't. So I'm chilling in a cabin at the tip top, looking at a holler full of hemlocks. No cars, no bars on my phone. Just when you think I'm all alone, I got friends from Colorado. So I got something in a bottle And I got something from a seed Since you said you didn't love me Since you hung me out to dry I've been drunk up in the Smokies On a rocky mountain These Appalachian folks Probably think I'm losing it in these trees Yeah, but they don't So I got something in a bottle And I got something from a seed Since you said you didn't love me Since you hung me out to dry I've been drunk up in the Smokies On a Rocky Mountain I've been drunk up in the Smokies Jane and Jane.